counsellor or a psychotherapist wanting to attract more clients more simply, then you, lovely person, are in the right place. Because I'm here to help you navigate marketing and remove any confusion and overwhelm that you might feel. Oh, and ditch that critical, nagging inner voice too. So each week I'll offer you inspiration, motivation and practical advice so you can get your marketing done and then get on with your life. I'm Jane Travis and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show. It's great to have you here. Hi and welcome back. And if it's your first visit, I'm so glad that you found us. Now, one of the things that when I was a counsellor, I used to talk about loads in supervision was money and charging money, charging people for not turning up, putting my prices up. All of those would just put me in a massive tailspin. Let me know if you feel similar. In fact, I even remember that on my very first website, I said, I said this, I said, I do not get a grant or any help from the government to run this service, but I aim to keep the fees as affordable as possible. Thank you for understanding. And my friend who was an electrician said to me, why do you say that? I mean, he thought it was absolutely hilarious that I was practically apologising for charging clients. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. It's an interesting one, isn't it? But it's so it's so interesting. So joking aside, money mindset issues can really hold us back in more ways than they may first appear. So today I've got the fabulous Kathy Towers here for a chat with me. Now, Kathy is a counsellor and a psychotherapist. She's also a speaker and a workshop facilitator, a DJ, and an improv leader. So she wears many hats, but the hat she's wearing today is that of Money Mindset Mentor, because Kathy's been working with counsellors and putting on, on workshops around money for years. So with this experience, and as a counsellor herself, she knows some of the traps that we can fall into around money and around charging our clients. But also she knows some of the deep and more complex impacts that they can have both on ourselves, our clients and our business. So I hope that you enjoy this. So Kathy, look, it's really great to have you on the show. I've known you for ages. I bet you probably don't remember how I first got to know you, but I got to know you. Through, do you? <laughs> what, what, what do you remember? I remember it was um, BACP. No, it's before that. Years and years ago, you were on LinkedIn and you used to have a group for like, was it Southwest Councillors or something like that? That's right. Yes. Now, I'm not a Southwest Councillor, but I joined your group and uh, we actually spoke because I was thinking about make. I was thinking about forming what turned into the Lincoln Councillors Network. And we spoke and you gave me a hand on how I could do that. So it was such a long time ago. I mean, it was. I, I do remember that, how you say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. It was really exciting because you were wanting to create a network for yourself, but, but, but not be overwhelmed by it and not be sort of. Uh, there was lots of, lots of feelings about, you know, who am I to stick myself out there? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And. Uh, yeah, but I did it and I ran it for, what, four years and it was brilliant. I really loved it. So anybody who's thinking of doing that, please do it. But then we met again at, uh, we were both talking at one of the BACP conferences yeah. and we had brekkie together. So that was really nice. You told me a little bit about your love of dancing. 
which I suppose you've not had much chance to dance recently. I haven't been able to tango for it. Uh, <laughs> no tangoing, that's dreadful. I tell you what, my, I can feel the loss in my body. You know, I'm having to sort of stretch in other ways, but it's not the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so we've known each other for quite a long time. And all that time that I've known you, you've had this interest in helping counsellors with money. And we we all know now that money mindset is a thing. We've got, you know, fantastic people out there working with money. We've got, I mean, I always talk about Denise Duffield-Thomas, but you were doing this before she was around. You were, you were helping. <laughs> oh, crikey. I was there before Denise Duffield-Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> You were there a long time ago. What was it that really drove you to sort of step into this space? It was coming across so many therapists who were feeling anxious about charging at all, guilt about putting a fee, struggling with charging because they were thinking, I can't charge that much money for an hour's work and completely not taking in the fact Every hour of work that you do with a client, there's another hour of work that you do that's not with a client. Plus, you're going to have to make deductions as well. So, so you're, if you say you're charging £50, then there's also all the other things that are involved in running, running a business, which makes it about £25 an hour. And then when you've made your deductions, you're probably earning about £12.50. Mm. And people don't take it into account. Absolutely. Absolutely, we don't. We used to get fired up. And, and there was another thing as well, actually, where people would often rent a room and sit there and wait for the clients to come. I was going, to oh, no, don't waste your money on the room before you've got the clients. It was a big thing, um, oh, about 15 years ago, that, that everybody was renting a room and putting out a leaflet and hoping that would, that would work. Mm. I don't know, you're just giving your money away, but they wouldn't spend money on marketing. Yeah. And I think it's I think that's changed to some extent, but I do still think that there's a lot about that that's still there. I mean, obviously I work with counselors in, you know, all about marketing, and there still is that kind of real resistance to investing in the business mm-hmm. of putting a little bit of money behind it to help themselves to ultimately get the clients that will then go on to pay them. Well, I think you've hit on something there. It's that word business, because mm-hmm. it doesn't sit comfortably. Because business is about making money. Mm, and corporate. Uh, yeah. And, and you, you think of it, horrible to be stereotyped, but, but men in suits. And most people are, are wanting more caring engagement with people. And so, so business doesn't sit so comfortably. And I would say private practice is a, a different type of business. Mm, I would agree. It's a completely different type of business. You have to market it differently. But it is still a business. I mean, I can remember once somebody, when I used to have a free Facebook group and somebody said in there, um, it's almost like having a business. And I'm like, well, it is a business. (laughs) So, yeah, I suppose one one of the hurdles is getting over the fact that what we're doing is running a business rather than just helping people, would you say? Yeah, helping people is one thing, but the Therapy is more than helping people. It's enabling people to, yeah, it's enabling for a start off. So so you're you're not actually going, oh, let me carry your bags for you, that type of help. 
you're enabling someone to build up their muscle strength to carry their own bags and to decide when they need to put them down and have a rest. It, it, it's completely different to help organisations. Yeah. I, I feel. Yeah, I love that analogy, actually. That really works, doesn't it? Because one of the things that I say is take the word help out of out of your head. So rather than I help clients, I work with clients because obviously if we're helping somebody, it's like you don't you don't help a little old lady across the road and then put your hand out for some money, do you? So there's the helping's kind of a free thing, really. Okay, so one of the things that I'd I'd that I think is useful for us to talk about for people is this idea of um the free first session. I mean, it's not new. I know you've written about it and talked about it a lot. I've written about it. I did a blog. Oh, crikey. When was it? It was ages ago now. I don't know. I've not got the date on it, but I did a, I did a blog all about whether you should offer a free first session. And again, although for a lot of people, I think this has changed and people do have a bit more confidence about it. This is still the subject of lots and lots of discussion that I see around people feeling really awkward about, you know, should I charge for the first session? So what are your thoughts on this? Because it is a big subject and there are lots of different angles, aren't there? Right. First of all, I, I personally don't like the idea of a free first session because that's like you're starting the work with this client before you've got an agreement. And the concept of having a free introduction with somebody is about giving them a taster. And this is actually where the conflict comes in too because you, you imagine yourself down the local market and you're going around, oh, cheese stall, lovely, I'll have a little free sample, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And then you feel like, oh, maybe I ought to buy something. So, so it's called a seduction technique, is to seduce right. you into buying. This is where the conflict lies for us because we're not in the business of seducing our clients. Or if we are, we should be struck off. Uh, so it's how can we give someone a sample of who we are without seducing them, without leaving them feeling guilty or obliged to mm. to buy a big hunk of cheese rather than a free sample, which is all you wanted because you haven't had breakfast. Um, so, so, so that's where the conflict lies, mm. I feel. And it's so true because I'm a people pleaser and I know a lot of our clients will be. And as a people pleaser, if I go and have a free session with somebody, I will feel obliged to sign up. And if I don't, I will feel hugely guilty and bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we have to create a, a connection in a, in a space which has good, clear boundaries. And we know that we're not assuming this person will come to us. But, but, and we can start off by just saying that this is a, a meeting for us to meet. You don't have to work with me if you don't feel um, there's a connection or it feels like something's, I can't think of the words now, but um, if, if you think that this is not what would serve you. Um, but we, if that's the case, then we can look at what else might work better. So, so setting some sort of parameters around it helps. Mm -hmm. Um, reduce that obligation thing. There was a time a few years ago where everybody was giving free session and then telling their client to go and try two or three other people as well. Um, it became it became a bit of a thing. 
And so these clients were going off having two, three, four, five free sessions with different people and getting a, a little bit overwhelmed. Mm. And I also had some come to me who were saying, you know, they told me to try somebody else and, and clearly distressed by the fact that they couldn't continue with the person they, they'd met. So feeling rejected. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so in, in our keenness to be kind and to be fair and to not take advantage, you can actually let your client go. Yeah. And for me, it's, it's a really good point for me because obviously my eye at the moment is on marketing. So from the marketing perspective, what you're actually doing is practically pushing people, let people away. So it's quite a fine line that we have to tread between letting them know that it's their choice who they go to, not letting them feel rejected and not making them feel obliged. So it is quite a tricky, a tricky sort of road to go down, isn't it? Yes, it is. I wonder as well whether we as counsellors have to do some work around that because I did a a podcast a a while ago talking about, you know, when somebody comes for a first session or phones up for an assessment, you know, phones up just to have a chat and then they don't take it further. What I often see is that for counsellors that can bring up all sorts of their own feelings of they didn't come to me because I'm rubbish or because I'm not good enough or, I'm you know, all of that so I just wonder whether we as counsellors need to do a little bit of work ourselves about around that getting really clear. I think that's where um, your market, marketing work becomes really useful because if somebody's not coming to see you, um, it can be that they, they came in an emergency, an emotional crisis, and their connection was not with you. It was with their own inner anxieties. They didn't make a connection with you. It can be quite a few sessions down the line before they're really attached to you, mm. bonded, bonded with you, because they're stuck in their own stuff. If we focus our marketing and make it aiming at people who would be our very best clients, for example, the people that we know we can work well with, that we've got some knowledge and experience of, that we've had success with in our training, then we are more likely to have a connection with the client who comes. If yeah. we sort of make sort of scattergun approach of, oh, you know, anybody, everybody, there's nothing for them to connect with. It's like you're looking for a piece of Velcro that fits your piece of Velcro. If you've got two lots of hooks, they don't fit together yeah yeah fuzzy and a hook then it does fit together so you need to find the fuzzy for your hook the fuzzy for your hook that's a new one on me Kathy that's a new one on me I'm writing that down (laughs) you can use that one I'll let you you're gonna use that one in my social media when I'm talking about this fuzzy for hook (laughs) (laughs) oh fantastic but yeah I think I certainly think for new counsellors, there's almost that feeling of, you know, you're, you really want clients. You don't want to turn anybody away. So the marketing can be, it can be spread too wide. And if we try to attract everyone, we try to attract, we actually attract no one. And I think it takes sometimes a while to really get the confidence to be able to say, right, I'm going to have a niche and I'm going to, you know, work with a certain type of person. So I think it can take a while for that confidence to come. It 
Well, well, even even just thinking of very simple things like, you know, if, if you're a young person, where's where's my strength and experience? It's with other young people. Don't don't open your your parameters to include sixty-five-year-old women like me, because there will be more likely to be a jarring mm. between us. Go with people who are, are more similar to yourself, if you like, because then you've got a better chance of making a good connection. You've got the same reference points. You get each other in terms of generation, experience. And so it just is just easier. Absolutely. And when you're starting out, you want to make it easy on yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of work with people around niching. And it is something that people feel a lot of, people kind of struggle with because there is that fear that it's going to push people away. But really, when it comes down to it, we want to be pushing some people away so that we can attract the right people to us. I think it's not even pushing it away. Yeah, yeah. Who's going to be first in the queue? Yeah. Who can I work with best? It, it's, it's like a, a doctor who goes uh, abroad can see a lot of people with eye problems in a very short period of time and, and help them. So, so in, in, in Africa, there, there's very quick assessments and people are then... Um, sighted again and can function. But if you go in and start looking at other problems that take longer to deal with and and uh, harder work to engage with, then you're not getting the quick wins. And, and that's what you want to be getting to start with, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you've got a few successes under your belt, then it's easier to stretch out. And you're also more resilient to... And things not working out, somebody saying no to you. Yeah, absolutely. We need to be looking after ourselves and our own confidence and self-esteem and and all of that as well, don't we? Yeah. So I wonder if we can look maybe at the sort of impact of offering free sessions. So what would be the impact on us as counsellors, do you think, for offering free sessions? Well, first off, there's a financial impact because... Your time is limited. Uh, you, you, you've got sort of three resources. You've got me, you've got time, and you've got money. You've got loads of money behind you. You can give loads of free sessions, but it is still costing you in terms of your business. So it's actually a free session needs to be part of your marketing budget. That sounds bizarre and might sound a bit uncomfortable to some people. Do you want to explain that for us? Well, if you're giving a half hour of your time or an hour of your time for free, that needs to be accounted for financially because you're working. You know, if, if you're working in a pork pie factory and the supervisor comes along and goes, will you go and work on Cornish pasties today? Um, a couple of hours over there, but we won't be paying you. No, you, you wouldn't accept that. You'd tell them where to get off, wouldn't you? <laughs> into a, a sense of I am my own employee therefore I need to account for this time financially it means we have to add a little bit onto our fee to pay us for the time that we're giving for free yeah so so it needs to be adjusted um, or some people will do it as actually in my marketing budget if I'm allowing say a thousand pounds a year to spend on marketing and I'm intending to do 20 free sessions then those 20 free sessions what that would that be costing if you were charging 50 pounds that would be 
What's the sums? I don't know. It's no one asking me. Oh my God, how rubbish are we? <laughs> that's 500 pounds. That's a lot of money. So that's half your marketing budget. Though. Yeah. I think sometimes we see it as kind of a, a different thing to the work that we do. So if, if we add the time we spend on free stuff to the number of hours that we work over the year, and then we say, right, this is the amount of money that I get over the year, and then you sort of divide it back, then it just brings your hourly income right down. And like you say, you don't really want to be working for like less than the minimum wage, do you? You want to be you want to be earning a reasonable amount of money. A lot of people actually do when you mm. dismantle it, take into account the amount of free work that they're doing and the amount of expenses that they've got. Yeah. You know, as an example, pe- people who go, well, I don't have to charge for clients because I've, I've got a summer house in my own back garden. and I yeah. But they spent 10 grand on that summer house. Yeah. And so they've got to earn that 10 grand back. Yeah. Well, that's a benefit to my house. Yeah. Who else pays up 10 grand of room costs in advance? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think also something that people don't necessarily think about is the effect it has on our self-esteem when we're constantly giving away for free. Well, that we're constantly, it's like we're constantly giving. And I think as counsellors, I mean, I do love a bit of TA. I think as counsellors, we do have a tendency to give a lot. And of course, in the session that we have with someone, we everything is giving to the client. It's all giving. And I think the only way that we can address that and get some balance is, is the getting paid part of it. Um, I, I think there's some work around boundaries that can help shift that as well. When we're very clear with, okay, we've got a in my case, it would be a 20-minute or video consultation. I've made a decision that all my free contacts are online, even if I'm going to see the person later in, in person, because that's more economical for me. So, so I'm not giving too much there. I've already taken claimed a bit of time back for myself. I also put some clear boundaries in place around what the purpose of it is. So I'm not just going to give my open ears to whatever they come with. There's also security for the client in that. If if we if we let somebody come in who's never met us before and just lay it all out, then they may go out of the room feeling overexposed and vulnerable and therefore not come back. They're right, too yeah. to gather themselves together. Yeah. So 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 we ration, if you like, what we're going to listen to and give them a, a format for, for our free time together. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, so kind of staying in control of that first that first contact, really. Yeah. 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 Which is quite challenging if, if you're trying to be person-centred and, and follow the client. But for that first contact, it's, it's about enabling both of you to make a choice and a decision about working together. Yeah. Absolutely. To be parameters about that. And that's up to the therapist because the client usually hasn't done this before. So they don't know what to expect. Yeah. So we we need to not be equal in that sense. But we we 
it, we're actually creating an equality by saying, right, this is what we can do in this time. Yeah. They are as informed as you are. And we always feel better within boundaries. So as, the, as a client who's maybe feeling very, very chaotic, it, it's very, um, oh, what's the word? It can, you can feel very held if you know there are boundaries around the work that you're going to be doing and that you can trust that. I also think there's, there's something useful in thinking of, of what do we need the plant to give us? And that might set off a few people alarm bells. But actually, one of the questions that I often ask is, what made you choose me? Or, or how, how come you decided to call, call me? And people think, oh, but that's all about me and it should be about the client. Actually, it's about the client and what they may be projecting onto you. Right. If they're making a projection that is erroneous. Well, I, I thought you would know about this circumstance and you don't know about that circumstance then you can make that clear. Yeah. So, for example, some people choose me because I used to be a nurse. I thought you'd understand all about this medical condition I've got and how it affects me. Now, I was a nurse 40 years ago. I'm a bit out of date. I understand um, how it can feel going through the process of hospitalizations or medical treatments and such like, but I don't necessarily know about your condition or the treatments that you might be going through. So we can have that conversation and be clear, and then they can make a clearer choice. I also know then they decide to see somebody else because I didn't know enough about what they wanted me to know about. That's such a good point. I've never looked at it that way before. That <clears throat> is such a good point because, yeah, it does feel awkward saying to people, how did, how did you find me? Why did you choose me? It can feel really awkward. But when you put it like that, it makes sense, doesn't it? That if they've got a particular expectation of you, then you can right from the beginning talk about that in, in whatever ways is necessary, whatever way is suitable. And, and it's much less scary than not knowing why somebody's not come back yeah oh fantastic so what would be i wonder what would be the impact on the therapy therapeutic relationship if there's a free first session i know we've kind of covered this a little bit but it's interesting you say that i, I used to work for a free service in north north brixton many many years ago and we had about a third of people would come to appointments so that's 30 percent non-attendance rate we made all these excuses for it and, and therapists are really good at making excuses for our clients because we're trying to be understanding oh it's a very difficult situation it's the biggest uh, number of single parent families in the whole of europe on this estate where we were working oh those are all the problems that they faced we didn't start thinking of looking at ourselves did we and then we lost some funding and we had to make a small charge and I kept really good statistics back in those days. I was tight as a drum on that. And I discovered in a short period of time that actually our attendance rate was now 90%. Wow, wow. And I thought, what the heck has happened there? So all our assumptions were just fluff. They were manifestations of our own fears and inadequacies and projections, whatever. And then I looked at my private practice and I'd had because I was doing it half time, I had one cancellation in the whole of the previous year. So 99 point something percent attendance. Wow. 
And I thought, whoa, what's going on? And I, I gradually sort of realized what we might be triggering by a free session. For some people, it can trigger off, particularly if they're caught in a drama triangle victim position and they're trying to get out of it. Somebody comes in with their free generosity and goes, I can help you. That can feel like a rescuer. And that's what they're trying to get away from. Yeah. The persecutor, and here's a rescuer. That's somebody else who needs them to be in victim position. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the things that can be triggered off. So the client can recognise that this person is wanting to help them and there's almost an expectation by this person that they have to perform, for want of a better word, to react to them. It's not clear enough that help, I want to say, is, is not going to overwhelm them. It's not going to keep them in the same position. Do you know, if, if somebody's in a boat and there's water leaking out the bottom, somebody coming along and scooping some of the water out for them is not helpful. Yeah. They want to know how to repair their own boat. Right. So what you're saying is that people, rec- when they come to counselling, they recognise that they need help to get out of the situation. But they're worried that by sitting with someone and just going over and over the same things, they're not going to move forward. Is that what you mean, or is partly? But 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 also this: what sort of help is this person going to give me? Uh-huh. Are they going to help me to help myself, or are they going to tell me what to do? Or are they going to tell me what to do, or or are they just going to keep sort of scooping out the the excess water? And I'm still in the situation, but they're feeling good because they're helping me. Gosh, that's really deep, isn't it? That's that's really deep yeah. and complex. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not by any means saying this happens with everybody, but that that's one of the things. That mm. Something else that can happen is consider when's the time when somebody has given you something totally freely, no conditions at all, no expectations on you. What time in your life did that take you back to? Being a child. Yeah. Yeah. Infant, infant. Yeah. So for some people, it may trigger an infantilization. Wow. And yeah. I, I know within the free services that I've worked in, less likely to have people phone up and cancel. They just don't turn up. Um, very rarely do you get someone in private practice not let you know that they're not going to come. Yeah. And so when, when you're giving a free session at the beginning, then there is always a risk of creating some sort of psychological dynamic which is counterproductive. Which isn't going to necessarily be helpful, yeah. I, I'm certainly not saying we don't do it, but we have to think carefully around how we do it and the parameters of it. Yeah. Well, how long we do it. Yeah. I've sat it at 20 minutes. So that's time to talk things through without doing doing the work, without going yeah. into their history and stuff like that and without them telling their story. Yeah. So for you, to keep it, like, boundaried and specific to just a let's get to know each other chat, yeah. you wouldn't do it in the counselling room. You wouldn't do it in the same kind of space as you would normally counsel, you'd do it and it would be just about, you know, more about the um, 
practicalities, a little bit about what's bringing them? Yeah, yeah, a bit about what's bringing them, what their expectations are. There's an element of assessment in there too. Um, so, for example, you, you know, at the moment, um, I've got two elderly blind parents, one of them dementia, they're in and out of hospital, I'm up and down the motorway. My emotional bandwidth is more limited. So I would not take on someone who is suicidal, for example, knowingly. Yeah. Because it has a bigger emotional pull on me if I've got that worry in, in my mind as well. Yeah. So, so there's an element of assessment and and the need to sort of say, actually, I think I might need to refer you to someone else who's got more capacity in, in this yeah. moment. Yeah. Other clients can be, it's like my windows of normality, actually, seeing most of my clients. <laughs> and, it, and it's a joy to see them. But but uh, for some clients where I, I know there may be a bigger pull, a uh, bigger emotional drain, um, then I'm, I'm saying no to at the moment. Yeah. And that's such a good point, isn't it? Because the beauty of being self-employed is if you are going through certain personal things then it's you know like you say it's taking up a lot more of your bandwidth your emotional bandwidth or your energetic bandwidth you can if new if a new client comes to you you can make sure that you're not going to specifically get somebody that's got really massive big problems that you know are going to take more out of you than you've necessarily got to give and particularly when you're starting out there needs to be that time to reflect and, and a lot of new therapists will take their initial assessment sessions to a supervisor before they say yes to the person because you don't know what you don't know yeah you don't know what this particular issue might escalate into um or some of the the, the little flags yellow flags that might be waving so yeah yeah and we have to look after ourselves and we have to look after our own mental health our own well-being self-care is so important. I mean, I'm thinking as well, you know, we are talking about free first session. And what comes up for me is if we're constantly giving and giving, it's, you know, burnout, which is really prevalent in, in counsellors and therapists. Isn't it? So constantly giving and giving and taking on more than we probably should, because we feel well, we do want to help people. That's why we get into it. We do want to help people. I know we've talked about help as in, you know, maybe a slightly negative connotation there, but we do want to work with people to help them to move forward and get all of those positive changes. So we have to kind of temper that so that we can do it in a way that's not going to have a negative impact on ourselves. But but when we're not superheroes. Yeah, we, we can't do everything. And, and And sometimes we see someone who's vulnerable and in need and we want to help. But actually, it doesn't need to be me who helps them. Yeah. It can be signposting to somebody who could help them, somebody who could help them better, somebody who can help them right now instead of keeping them on a waiting list. And, and the wonderful thing about that, if you, if you signpost to somebody else, is that person is far more likely to pass someone on to you when they have a, a boundary issue. Yeah, yeah. And... and I would say a, a very large part, the, definitely the majority of my clients now come through word of mouth because I've got those networks established and built up and cross-refer. There are people I refer to and they refer back to me. It's reciprocation. It's, it's, like, it's almost like that um, 
pre-taster. You know, you give somebody a little taste of something, they give something back to you. Yeah. They want to purchase from you. Yeah. And that's the same with therapists. If, if yeah. you referred one or two people to someone, you're at the top of their head when they think of, who can I refer this one to? Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think that's it's great having a network of counsellors that you know and that you trust because it's one thing knowing that you need to refer somebody on to somebody else. But I wouldn't refer, if somebody contacted me, I wouldn't refer them to someone unless I knew that person. Yeah. So I wouldn't say, oh, well, I've heard there's somebody's in, you know, up the road that does it because I wouldn't, ha- I wouldn't know and trust that person. So I think for me to refer on, I would need to know a little bit about them to be able to feel comfortable in sending someone their way. Okay, and, and that's a really good point. If you've just come out of training, there will be colleagues that you already know very, very well. And I would always recommend that people come along to something like that Lincoln Network Group that you set up. Um, we've got several down where I am in the southwest and a couple of I've got a peer supervision group as well. You you get to know people better in those situations. It's a support network for you, but also it's a potential referral source back yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's also wider than that. Just you know, it's networking, yes, it's great to network with like counseling friends and colleagues wider networking with people you know general people just getting to know people in your local area means again that you're more likely to be referred to yeah yes yeah and we're we're typically quite shy at sort of being visible yeah absolutely because yeah. we're used to one-to-one interactions yeah being up close in interactions so to join a, a network where you can do that or to to set up your own peer group where you can do that it might be a book group it might be a supervision group you know you'll just have a small cluster of people who you've got to know very well yeah yeah it's always nice to make a few more friends as well isn't it yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> even though so, we're into the, the country we've become friends well yeah I mean I mean that was obviously we we were friends at other ends of the country a long time ago it wasn't just because of the lockdown and because of you know the state of play but because of the lockdown people are more comfortable talking with people from other ends of the country aren't they it's something that we've we've all become a little bit more more comfortable with yeah so if we go back to the impact on the therapy gone off the beaten track a bit there if we come back to the impact on the therapeutic relationship is there anything else you think that, you know, a free first session might impact? I don't know why this is coming up right now because it's not quite a clear straight answer to your question. But what was coming to mind is, is people who want to see you quickly. Um, you know, I'm desperate to see someone. Can you see someone t- today, for example? Um, and in my vast experience, when I've said yes to those people, they're more likely to come along, offload, and then not come back. Yeah. So they want to skip the, the free introduction bit. They want, no, I know I want to have a session now. Yeah. I do I no longer say, yes, I can do that today. Yeah. Because I, I think there's something that's two things can happen. They they can they can just offload and leave it with you and disappear. 
or they they may feel overexposed and vulnerable so they don't want to come back to you because it's like oh god what does that person think of me it's, things like that can go on yeah yeah so actually having in that little free introduction gives slows things down it puts the brakes on we all know in trauma work how important it is for a client to be able to put the brakes on and we need to help them do that so actually having that little short introduction free taster if you want to call it that conversation it slows them down in their decision making yeah so that they then make a decision rather than acting on impulse yeah which can be uncomfortable they might make wrong decision or they haven't really thought through what it might involve and in jail left sort of dazed what the heck happened there why have yeah. you know if, if too much comes out in the first meeting it is exposing yeah <laughs> trauma and counselling isn't an emergency service, is it? I mean, it's not like, you know, if somebody's in, in, in feeling like desperate, counselling's not really the right place for people to go. There are other places that are going to be able to handle that a whole lot better. Um, so it's not really the right thing for them. No. And, and they're not necessarily wanting to do... Uh, counselling involves some people taking responsibility for the situations they're in. They're not necessarily wanting to do that. Yeah just wanting to feel better in that moment yeah they've done that left it with you they're off yeah absolutely and that's can really knock your confidence yeah and I think that's one of the things I mean I, I have got a um I have got a podcast actually about what to do if the client doesn't come to your second session because it can happen and when it does happen my God, it just feels like a slap around the face. It's like, well, why have they not come back? Why have they kind of ghosted me? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think about us and again, our need to take care of ourselves, you know, self-care, look after our own self-esteem and our confidence and protect ourselves as much as we can. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if we can reduce the chances of that happening by the way we deal with people when they first come to counseling when they first contact us and that reduces the chances of that happening the impact of that the knock-on effect is that you feel a bit more confident you feel a bit more you know your self-esteem's not been squashed and taking care of yourself is not a selfish act absolutely good modeling and absolutely and so if you're putting the brakes on go well this this is the way i do it you know I'll, um, and I won't be able to book you in today or, or whatever it is. If you're, if you're setting your parameters clearly for whatever reason you need to, then that gives the client an experience of being on that side and think, well, she did that kindly and nicely. Maybe I could do that as well. Yes, absolutely. Modeling to people how you can say no and it be polite and kind and not rude and not nasty is is a thing isn't it it's a really big thing to see somebody actually doing that no no <laughs> <laughs> how dare you say no <laughs> oh crikey so we've talked a lot about some of the more intricate parts because it's not as simple as i'm going to see somebody for free because i'm i'm just really 
just really want to help. It's really intricate about the effect it has on you and the client or the potential effect it can have on you or the client. So if anybody's listening to this and they're recognizing something in themselves or something that, you know, if, if there's something coming up, what would you recommend to people to maybe get some help with that? Well, well, First of all, I'd say what I always say is it doesn't matter what you decide. It matters that you've thought about it and that you're consistent. Whenever I do something which is out of what I've already thought about and my usual parameters, somebody catches me off guard, I go, oh, yeah, okay, then. That's when it screws, screws up and it goes wrong. Yeah. We, we've, if we thought about it, we've come up with consistent parameters and we can change those in the future. So, so for example... As you get more confident, you'll be more bold about certain decisions and about fees and about yes to this and no to that. It, it comes naturally. So you can change your parameters. You think it through first. And so I think it's really useful for people to take time out to reflect on their relationship with money. That's why I do work around relationship with, with money, with, with people on a one-to-one -one basis and in, and in groups and your relationship with, with marketing. You know, it, it's not a big horror to do marketing. The important thing is that you do it well. It's not a big horror to charge for, for therapy, but it's important that you thought it through and you're doing it well and not just plucking a fig, figure out of the pot of everybody else charges that, so will I. You need to do it well means you've thought it through, which means you will feel more secure and confident in, in decisions that you're making. Now, I know you're in a, a group with Denise Duffield Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She does lots of videos and things. I don't do loads of stuff, but I do have resources on LinkedIn. So um, on my LinkedIn profile, I've got articles and um, posts around money. I've also got articles and posts around improv because that's my other hat, you know, as I get to retirement. I start thinking, what do I like doing? I like playing. So I teach improv. <laughs> um, so, so I write about that as well, which is good for building confidence. That's, that's another thing. Anything that will give you more confidence enables you to make more bold decisions, to be, be able to think things through and be more decisive. Absolutely. Sometimes, I mean, what I've got in my, in my membership, the first thing people do is the foundation course, and that's obviously a foundation course and it looks at the foundations to have in place and I talk in there about the importance of personal development and how important it is to keep doing the work and doing the personal development work because we've got loads of sabotages that are you know we all have sabotages that will put blocks in our way and by doing personal development work whether it's to do with our attitudes towards money or, you know, our attitudes towards ourselves, or imposter syndrome or all of those things. It really is important to make that something that you concentrate on as a, as a continual thing. Absolutely. So at the beginning, before we started this call, you know, I said to you, oh, I've just spent, spent a, a load of money. I'm seeing a coach around financial alignment. And you, you said, oh, I thought you've got all that together. Go, oh, <laughs> you know, this is why I work on this stuff. <laughs> You know, partly what people are receiving, if you like, the product of my self-reflection, my learning. And I've worked with different people over the years of uh, looking at my money. And it, it became a necessity. Initially, it was just like, oh, gosh, what are people doing? So I put together a, a workshop and started 
helping people, then then it's like, I'm going to have to look at what I do, actually. I'm a bit sloppy around some of these boundaries. And, oh, I've just been doing this on autopilot for a number of years. And so I started reflecting and looking. And I remember a time when um, I thought, right, if I'm working around money, I'll have to put my prices up to experience what it's like to, to make a bold decision. And the first client that came to me after that, she said, how much do you charge? And I told her, and she goes, is that all? (laughs) (laughs) I thought, oh, I thought, for that client, I have just screwed up magnificently because she, she does not have the confidence in me that I'm bold. She's used to people in her world charging 150 pounds an hour or something and I wasn't charging that and so that was an eye-opener in itself you do start working with different people sometimes but not necessarily you know there's a lot of people out there that have got a lot more money than you and I and we're doing us a disservice if we assume that nobody can afford it if we assume that people that have issues have struggles somehow can't afford it or aren't willing to pay to to care for themselves and and unfortunately having going through a counseling training and working within charitable services we get a distorted idea of yeah. people need out there we get to to meet the people who are struggling financially who need to come to a charitable service and there's masses of people out there who are not struggling financially but they're struggling in every other aspect yeah yeah Oh, that's true, isn't it? Because we go to a placement and a placement is generally something that's offering either very low cost or free counselling. And of course, then we see those people and there is that, you know, we, we sort of think, oh, well, if everybody's like this, if there's lots of people like this, then how can I possibly charge? But of course, that's not who the majority or, you know, not who a lot of the the clients are going to be. Yeah. And, and I've also thought to myself, if I carry on charging at the same rate as the average in my area, I'm actually being unfair to people who are starting out. I need to charge more than average because I've been around a long time. Because if, if somebody's got to choose between somebody starting out and somebody who's been doing it for 20, 30 years, and they're both charging the same rate, that that, that doesn't compute. You know, well, either either this one who's really experienced it lacking in confidence or I've got a bargain here and then yeah. you. you're about buying a bargain not you yeah god that's a good point I've never thought of that yeah so if if everybody charges the same amount of money and you've got all different levels and types of qualifications and niches then it kind of a how do people choose and b how do people that are just starting out get the clients when they've only just started out and don't have those years of experience behind them yeah, I've not thought about that before. That's a good point. I've also had clients come come to me who said you know, things like, I was going to see this person, but um, I, I wanted the best. And so you were more expensive. And it's yeah. like, oh, you're assuming I'm the best because I'm more expensive. So, th- so that was a bit of a challenge to, to confidence. So, so that's another reason to carry on working and attending to your own I don't like to use the word mindset because it sounds like it's set in stone and that's it. It's fixed. Yeah, yeah. And and I see it as something that sort of evolves over time. So we need to start working, keep on working on, on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because we're never finished, are we? We're never done. Yeah. I've never done all the mistakes either. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crikey. Look, that's been really, really brilliant, Kathy. Thank you so, so much for coming and talking to us. So we've talked a little bit about whether to charge for a first session, how you might handle it, some of the pros and some of the cons. I don't think we looked at the pros. What were the pros? We'll talk about a level of assessment in that um, and putting the brakes on so that people don't get Yes, yeah. Um, It's an opportunity to showcase yourself. Yes. Experience what you're like and you get to experience what they're like as as well and how we're going to work together. So, So there might be a little bit of negotiation. Somebody comes and says, Look, I've seen a counsellor before and she, she didn't talk at all. You know, I, I can't bear to be left in silence. Okay, thank you. And, and I know how to, to work with you. We're not going to leave oh. silences. <laughs> yeah, that is such a good thing to ask in a first session. Have you, we, we often ask, have you seen a counsellor before? But I don't know how often we ask what their experience was like because that's something I hear a lot. People hate that sort of long silence and not being spoken to and I, I understand why people why it happens and I understand the modality behind it but that's the biggest complaint I've heard yeah yeah being left in silence and, and struggling with that oh so that was fantastic thank you so much Kathy now something I know that you have you do have something called a free money calculator don't you tell us about your money money calculator that you've got um it doesn't do the sums for you. You'll have to use your own calculator because I'm not into sort of um, doing that. But essentially, it takes you through all the costs, times, you know, how to work out your fee because people just don't take into account what they need to take into account. Like sickness, time off, holidays, bank holidays. So, so for example, I remember once working out what a room that I was renting actually cost me. It gets sold to you on, say, say it was £5 an hour, and so you're renting it for four hours in, in a row. So you're thinking that's £5 off my fee that goes to the room. But actually there's several weeks when you're not even going to be there, and there's some weeks when clients are not going to be there. And so over the year that might work out at £8 an hour, but you've not budgeted for that. Yeah. And then it starts to make a real difference. Yeah, yeah. So, so think about this to take into account. So, so yeah, that's on my website. Yeah, I'll put a link to that below the, this recording. So if you're listening to this, have a look below this, and there'll be a few different links that you might find useful to do with today's topic, including how to connect with Kathy, which is LinkedIn usually, isn't it? I, I like LinkedIn. So it's, it's Kathy Towers on LinkedIn. Feels like a professional space. Um, and I, I like it and I have sort of good discussions on there with people as well. Um, so, so that's a, a nice way of networking, I find. Excellent. And kathydowers.com, of course. I also do a, a package, a fear to flow package, which is uh, you know, like a, a way for people to work through fairly economically. because There's, there's three, three elements to it and two of them you do by yourself. And then the third one is a, an hour with me to sort of look through the results of that and what you're wanting to achieve. Um, so I do those occasionally as well. Okay, um, I'll, I'll put the links to that below as well. So if anybody wants some help with that, then obviously Kathy is there to help. Kathy, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. 
I hope everybody who's been listening to this has got some really good ideas and some little ahas and some, especially some thoughts for reflection, because there are some things that you've brought up that I've not even thought about before. So yeah, really important to keep reflecting on that and maybe have a word with your supervisor as well about some of those things that might have come up. But thank you so much for talking to us. And I'm sure I'll have a chat with you again soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. (laughs) See, I told you Kathy was wonderful. And we really covered a lot, didn't we? And I bet it's given you a few things to reflect on. So I'll share all of her details below so that you can connect with her and say hi. Now, I'll also share a couple of her free resources and blogs so you can keep on learning from her. And a reminder that in the Grow Your Private Practice Club, each month we have a coaching call and the coaching call is called Mindset Matters. And it's because we look at all sorts of issues to do with mindset. So we might look at things like imposter syndrome or perfectionism or procrastination. And the next one that we're doing on the 29th of July, the topic is money mindset. So if you want to come along and join us, then uh, have a look for growyourprivatepractice.co.uk or just contact me and let me know if you've got any questions about it. I'm also going to share a couple of episodes below for you to do with, you know, for things that might help you to do with this episode. So there's episode 36, which is how being a people pleaser can affect your practice and what to do about it. Episode 33, what to do if your client doesn't show up for the second therapy session. Episode 32, easy ways to give back to charity without reducing your fees or working for free. Episode 31, Increasing Prices, The Pain-Free Way. And episode 23, How to Avoid the Feast and Famine Cycle in Your Private Practice. So we've already, I've already spoken about several things to do with money mindset, and I've got another one coming up in the future as well. So keep an eye out for that. And I've also actually got a blog that's all about should you offer your counselling clients a free first session. So I'll share that as well. So there's lots of things there for you to catch up on if you want to. So that's it for now. Thank you to Kathy and thank you to you for coming and and being here and you know and listening to the podcast and supporting me. It would be great if you could press subscribe so that you get all of the future podcast episodes directly to you and it would be really great if you'd leave me a review on Apple that would be absolutely fantastic. Now, the best places to find me are either on Instagram, so just for, look for Grow Your Private Practice, all lowercase, no spaces, or on LinkedIn, just check out Jane Travis. Come and say hi. It'd be really great to connect with you. So have an absolutely fantastic week, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this, then please subscribe to the show. And while you're there, I'd love it if you could leave me a big, shiny five-star review. Bye.